take three. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Brought to you by Quest Gaming Network and available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Sundas, Morningstar the 4th. And our show is sponsored by TweakedAudio.com for quality headphones and 30% off your order. All you'll need our code off the record, all one word, at TweakedAudio.com. By the way, they'll ship them to you for free as well, so it uh, doesn't matter where in the world you live. As long as you're living in the world, they'll ship them to you for free. So, so happy day. And that, that all comes to you with our code off the record. Just be careful if you live by pirates, they might want the gold light, the gold plating on those headphones. They'll, they'll snatch them like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Like a, like a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> and uh, we should probably stop Coconut there. and a guy with a face drawn on him. <laughs> Wilson! Tweaked! <laughs> there it goes. Uh, so, <laughs> am I audible? <laughs> am I audible? Uh, boy. Uh, free audiobook over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. That's the link you're going to need in order to download your free audiobook today. Tens of thousands of audiobooks at your fingertips on your mobile device. Listen to one for free today with that link. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. And... I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Eve Arwen, and I'm joined by the one and only, the Tamrielic historian and fashionista and inventor of the Argonian skin skirt, Mike. Oh, shoes don't go with those pants. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, welcome to uh, Classic Elder Scrolls. And for those that don't know where that reference is, that is from Robin Williams Live at the Met 1982, I think it is. So, uh, if you haven't heard that, you know classic Robin Williams stand-up before all of his movies. Go and check that out. And uh, the last of his kind and the Tamrielic scenarist and true author of Uncommon Taste. No, it wasn't the gourmet. It was this man right over here, Mark the scenarist. Well, hope everyone's having a good time. And, uh, you know, I, I think the problem here, the reason we've had to try this three times is that we're breaking the first rule of Fighter's Guild. Don't talk yes. about Fighters Guild. Don't talk to Fighters Guild. Now, before he runs off, okay? D no, damn it, Mike! Curse you! Curse you, Mike! He ran off again on you. He ran off again <laughs> on me. <laughs> Controlled by Mike the Liar in Oblivion. That's why we're having all these problems. He crashes your computer. He crashes your network. <laughs> crashes the game. Fuzzy hooded bastard. <laughs> <laughs> And he's got some speed on him. He too. does. He friggin' took off like like a like a gazelle. <laughs> he's out of here. He's like part cheetah or something in this game. No oh, well. I've never seen him in Oblivion. Yeah, he runs like the Flash. He runs like the wind. He's like a cheetah. All right. So so there there goes Mike. But we're also joined by by you, our wonderful chat room, who's uh, who's who's has filed in and they're hanging out and having a good time watching us trip over ourselves and our internet connection. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, please tell everyone uh, yet again uh, where they can connect with us. I only do this once. Sorry. 
Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, they can always watch us live on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. They can email us at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com. And, of course, they can find us at questgamingnetwork.com. And they should always remember to follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls off the, uh, sorry, Elder Scrolls OTR on Facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork and on Google at google.com slash plus sign questgamingnetwork. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's better the second time around, especially with that, that, uh, new microphone. We can hear all of the beautiful tones of your sultry, buttery voice, Mark. Oh, I have to thank my sister for this awesome Christmas present. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? So, so Mike, uh, what are we going to? What are we doing? What are we doing today? So today we are going through Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion with Antonio. Antonio. Uh, and we probably should mention, you know, that uh, if it sounds like we are half dead here, it's probably because the plague ran through QGN Manor. Varwin is the current recipient of the plague. Yeah. Uh, Mark had it early with him and his family. Uh, my family had it during Christmas itself. Um, you know, I know that uh, uh, Road has it right now, and uh, so you know, hopefully, speedy recover to everybody in QGN Manor that has been the kind recipient of this year's flu and cold season. Ah, yeah, yeah my uh, <clears throat> my uh, sinus infection is is blooming very nicely, and um, so if if you hear the the occasional off mic sound. Uh, hopefully, you won't hear me blowing my nose. But <laughs> if, that, if that happens, I do sincerely apologize, and we'll do everything in my power to a keep the stream up and alive, and b not get that uh, that that stuff on here. Now, Avar, when I have to point this out, your guy looks like his head in that one scene there looked like a turtle. Yeah, he had, he had retreated back into his armor so much he had no neck, no chin, <laughs> only a nose and eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tell you, Antonio, uh, he loves his helmet, but um, he looks like a derpadoo with the, uh, the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the zoom. It's like kind of like clipping right at his neck level. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, so here we are in in Anvil, and um, Mike, I don't know if we uh, we went through through everything we've got on the notes nope. here just yet. All right, so so what so, are we doing here in Anvil? So we are going to be dealing with the Fighter's Guide. Is the Fighter's Guide Guild interesting? Uh, and this is from the Bethesda uh, forums. Uh, in the history of the Fighter's Guild, Noble Warriors or Swords for Hire. Uh, the Sonarsis Archive, the Way of the Warrior. Mark is going to talk about uh, how the Warriors have uh, been portrayed throughout the games. Uh, plus, we have a fast question of the week and tweets and an email. Um, so, you know, with that, we will start with what did we do this week, uh, or the past two weeks in game or three weeks, actually. Oh, wow. before we do that, we got ourselves a, uh, a slain horse here. Poor wicked wolf in the chat room. Um, he's going to be upset to see this, uh, this, this, uh, <laughs> this black horse apparently killed a wolf at the gates of, of Anvil. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, all right, so so classic series abounds, and and uh, we'll we'll jump over to Mike. What uh, what have you done in in uh, in in the classic series uh, since our our last episode? Things uh, I think the last time we did a show, you 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 sort of left off with Red Guard being something you were you were sort of trying to get up and running. Yeah, Mark's trying to get that going. Yeah, 
So, and uh, I think that I've got it up and going enough to uh, to get it on the uh, sorry to get it streaming. Um, I have noticed that because the camera doesn't change, you find you uh, spend most of your time staring directly at uh, the character's back. So it's honestly, I'm starting to think of it as rear guard. <laughs> Horses, butt the entire twenty minutes. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> rear guard. Oh, that was clever. <laughs> well, what about you, Mike? Okay, I'm done. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waitresses. So, um, what about you, Mike? I have been uh, playing tons of Skyrim since everybody's been sick. Um, yeah, so uh, I've been playing. A Nord character who I got through the Civil War quest. I call him the Arrow of uh, the King. Uh, I sided with the Stormcloaks for it because it's the first time. And, well, you know, usually I play an elf, <laughs> so you know, usually I, I side with the Empire. Uh, but you know, since you know, I was playing a Nord, I figured I should side with the uh, the Stormcloaks and see how that side of the uh, the quest line uh, plays out. And I got through part of the uh, main quest line, so. Uh, one of my favorite sections, the um, um, the Thalmor party. So you go and you slaughter all the Thalmor because uh, they are evil elves. You know, not just the fact that they're elves, but they're evil. Um, and so they, you know, imprison my kin and stuff like that. Uh, so I get to slay all of them. And uh, then I have a bone to pick with Mirak because he keeps stealing the damn dragon souls. And I have been fighting some high level dragons and it's really been pissing me off that he steals it. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's one thing that um, I always said about about uh, the Dragonborn DLC is that man when when you get those Dragon Souls you know stolen from you, it, it, it's it's almost akin to um, being assaulted in like the worst way imaginable. But yeah, I mean you've spent all that time, all that effort killing off a high power, high level dragon. Like I don't mind it when he comes in and you know if I'm just you know swooped in by a. You know, a normal dragon or something low level that, you know, a couple shots he's dead. But when I spend, you know, five, ten minutes killing off a dragon yeah. and, you know, spent all those arrows and, you know, just the time and effort to find out that he, you know, comes in and swoops in and steals one. It's like, oh, that that does it. You're done for, buddy. So oh, yeah. I'm on Solstein right now. Good. Go yeah. for it, man. Yeah, it does a really great job of making it personal, of making him a villain you really want to get rid of. Yeah. You know, Mark, uh, you know, I, I should have called this out uh, when you said it earlier, but, you know, I, I don't know, it just didn't come to me until now. You, you said that you were you were going to try and stream Redguard. I, I mean, how, how far away, because that's real exciting for me. I mean, how far away do you think that that's going to happen? And, and um, you know, do you, do you actually think that you're going to be able to get on, you know, the, the Quest Gaming Network uh, Twitch account and, and do some streaming oh, yeah. for us with that? Um, yeah, if you can just, all I just need is a bit of a uh, tutorial on how to get it streaming, and yeah, I could probably get that started in the next day or two. Oh, well, that'd be phenomenal. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah, I, yeah. no problem. Man. So after the stream, maybe we can get that figured out as to when we can get that tutorial going. 100%. See that, guys? So so maybe some uh, some Red Guard via... Or Rear Guard. Rear, or, or Rear, rear guard. guard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> via Mike. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, am I might not on my game today. Two people with M and K in their name. I know, <laughs> I know. Mike, I'm I'm renaming your 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 uh, yourself. You're you are now named not Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark is now not Mike. <laughs> no, Mark is Mark. You're not Mike. Oh, I'm not Mike. <laughs> you're not Mike. <laughs> Even though you are. 
M1 and M2. Yeah. If <laughs> I anyone... Get be, I get to be the yellow M&M. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the peanut in it. <laughs> if anyone ever tells you that there's nothing wrong with DayQuil, tell them they're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here, here we are. Uh, in the Fighters Guild and uh, in in Anvil, and I'll tell you, as soon as you walk through the door, you know what these guys are all about. They got a uh, a poor hapless dummy right here, which I am smacking in the face. Um, I thought that was an orc that didn't have arms and legs. No, well, I guess you can. <laughs> same thing. Same thing, right? Probably it's just as intelligent. So, oh, burn. <laughs> uh, so we've got this discussion topic and. People people jump in the Elder Scrolls games, right? And they're all about, you know, the, the Hero of Kavach story, the Dragonborn story, you know, the uh the, the tribunal story from from Marwin, but you never hear a whole lot about, you know, I was really enthralled by the Mages Guild, the um the uh the Fighters Guild, the Morag Tong and etc. etc. You never really hear too much of that. You hear it every Although now and again. You can't say that about the Dark Brotherhood. It has a huge fandom out there. Uh, that is yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, like, literally there are people that take offense if you say something bad about the Dark Brotherhood. So... <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's you're absolutely right. Um, they don't believe that you play the Elder Scrolls correct if you take the option to kill off the Dark Brotherhood. There's people that weep over Lachance, you know, when they play the game, so... Other than... Yeah, but all the rest of the, the guilds, you know, they could care less, most of the case. So, so it begs the question, which we've got right here from... The um, the official Elder Scrolls forums. This comes from uh, Nordir. Am I saying that right? N J O R D R. Jordir. Jordir. You gotta have that that nasally yeah sound, which should be pretty easy since we all have you know some type of cold going. I think the J might be a Y sound. Well, I mean, we got the sonarist here. I mean, what do you think, Mark? I put down as Nordir. Nordir, right? Yeah. Nordier. on the official forums, who titles his post, is the Fighters Guild any interesting? And he, he says, and I quote, uh, it's one of the factions warrior character might be interested in. And I intend to play one soon, but from a first glance, the Fighters Guild just seems as bland as possible. End quote. And we've got this response here from one funny bunny. That one's easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who 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 retorts? Uh, there are merc groups, so at the beginning it's a little lackluster, just jobs of clearing out bandit holes or being a shop's night guard. But around halfway through, it gets quite interesting. I won't tell you why, because I don't want to spoil it. But towards the end, there is a bit of a did I just what what did I just do? Kind of a twist. End quote. So, our question is: Should the guild quest line serve? more as a training in the particular means of play and be a bit of and be a little bit lackluster or should the guild quest lines continue to have that epic feel uh lead, you know when you when you lead the um when you leave the guild as as the guild leader at the end of the quest chain so let's uh let's start this off with the uh the scenarist himself good old good old mark Red you know <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of funny because this is actually kind of uh, one of the big differences between Daggerfall and a little bit Morrowind, but frankly more of more of Oblivion is that um, you have more of a quest line into what's going on, um, and I'll I can I'll get into it a little bit more 
in later on. But in Daggerfall, the quest lines were pretty much, or the quests you would do for the guilds were basically, here's a job, go do it. And there wasn't really a storyline to anything. Uh, that changed in the later games. And, and frankly, I, I like that it changed. But at the same time, I don't like that it, it kind of made doing jobs for the guild that weren't part of the quest line, if you could even get those jobs, to feel very boring. You know? Um, I mean, you had quest li- uh, one just sort of quest line job for, say, uh, one of the guilds in Daggerfall was there's a lich creating an undead army. You know, you, you need to go stop this. Or there's a, a breach in the plains uh, letting Daedra in. And it, since thing, you know, like, and while that would be a great quest line thing uh, to do in, in guilds, I kind of like the idea of that sort of thing then being things you're still called for as the guild leader. Frankly, like, once you're the guild leader, you should be the one dealing with. There is now a... Uh, a hole in the plains letting Daedra through. There is now a lich raising an undead army. Hmm. I I would be all about that. That is that is absolutely for sure. Yeah, because once with the with the current way they handle it, it once you've got the big the big job, the small jobs they have that you could take just they don't really have much meaning. I mean, you you get you become the the head of the companions in Skyrim. And you still get jobs to go beat up a guy for, you know, because he's not paying his bills or something. Right. You know? Yeah. That's, I think that's always been, especially when when it came to Skyrim at the end of the Companions, which is, it's not the Fighters Guild, but you can compare it to the Fighters Guild. Um, Yeah. A lot of people were saying that you, you just, you just don't have that feeling of, I'm the, the leader anymore after you become the leader just you know people don't react to you as if you're anyone special um the the quest just sort of stop um you know and what you do get become very repetitive there's like two maybe three different options that you can pick from and that that goes for all the guilds the radiant quests really at the beginning when you're very low level it's great but when you're high level it's like yeah give me a break, you know, go send, you know, the new recruit to go, you know, as some hired muscle for some storekeeper, you know, don't be sending the, you know, the head of the guild. Yeah. Precisely. All right, Mike. So I really liked in Skyrim where the one quest that you go out with, uh, is it Vilkus or Farkas? I can't remember which brother is which. And you're tagging along with him. I think that, you know, that is the way a lot of these should be at the beginning. That um, you're a newbie in the the Fighters Guild, the Companions, the Mages Guild, whatever the case might be. And you're there to learn how to be a warrior, be a thief, be a mage. And you go along with a higher ranking person who shows you the ropes. And really, I feel that... That was that quest itself was done very well, uh, but a lot of times, you know, like here in Oblivion, they're going to send you out here in Anvil, I think, to protect a lady who has who's a crazy cat lady, or to protect the shop at night because somebody's breaking in, and it's like, okay, you know, those are appropriate single questing things, but they don't really give you training, 
And as you go on and you become, you know, really a high player in that that guild, it's like, you know, can should you be allowed to be the head of the fighters guild, the head of the mages guild, the head of the thieves guild, all in the same playthrough? You know, it, it, it's I don't know. I, I like that they have the training concept, but I don't like that each of the storylines allows you to be the head of it in one playthrough. Yeah. I'm fine with them allowing you to be in the same playthrough, but I kind of wish they would go back to the Morrowind Oblivion, or say the Morrowind Daggerfall uh, version of Advancement, which required you to have uh, certain levels and skills. If you, yes. If you were not good enough as a mage, you couldn't even join the Mages Guild because, you know, they didn't, there was no point in you being there. Speaking uh, of crazy were- cat lady, we have the cats on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gotta, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Mark, I gotta echo what you're saying right there is one of the things that I've enjoyed about, about the, the, the Mages Guild, uh, which I have very little experience in the Fighters Guild. Um, I've done the first couple of quests here, but not all of them. I've, I know what's ahead of me with the Mages Guild and going on that, I could say that I really, I really enjoy the, what you're calling out, which is you sort of have to earn your position. Um, in these in these guilds, and I feel like Skyrim uh, watered that down a little bit. Yeah, honestly, I found the watering down came a bit through Oblivion. I mean, at least like with Thieves Guild, you really did have to be a good thief to get through that quest line. Yeah, but yes, not they so did much, that really well. Yeah, but not so much with the others. You know, like you could get through without being a very good mage or a very good, uh, you know, or a very good. Uh, um, assassin. You could get through on, you know, just pure brute force if you wanted to. And, you know, in my playthrough of Skyrim, when I first decided, okay, I'll I'll uh, do the Mage Guild quest, yeah, I, I was Archmage. I kind of cheated to be able to uh, cast that first spell to get entry, so I was, a, I was the Archmage and I couldn't cast, you know, I could barely cast basic spells. And you know what's no. really interesting? I just got to the point in the um, the Skyrim playthrough where you have to go to the Mages College to find the Elder Scroll. And yeah. if you've completed enough of that without going there first, you'll actually be able to be to say, "Well, I'm the Dragonborn," and uh, you know, shout one time and get into the Mages College without even being able to cast a spell. I mean, there's been times when I've gone earlier and it's like I don't have enough magic and I had to go back after two levels but if you've gotten to that point in the dragonborn quest line you just have to be able to shout and they'll let you in yeah yeah so again like in in the previous in morrowind and daggerfall you had to have like stat levels and skill levels to be able to get to each rank so i'm okay with with being able to do everything in a in a line but I want to see the character being capable of earn, like seriously earning that. Like it will take you a very long time. It's not just I complete this one quest line and I'm automatically given the job regardless of qualifications. Right. Add a yeah. little, add a little grind to it. Now, now the the subject yeah. here is, um, are is the Fighters Guild boring? And would it be boring to to add the grind, or would it be? Would it be boring to keep it the way it is as we see it um, maybe in as the companions in, in Skyrim? What do you think, Mark? 
I think it would depend on what type of grind is required. I mean, um, if you find yourself having to do the same two or three basic quests over and over and over before you can get the, to the point where you can access the next quest in the main, you know, in the uh, the main quest line that gets you uh, leveled in rank and that type of thing, that's going to get really boring really quickly. But if it's a case of like you have say ten or twenty or like ten or so different quests that you can do to sort of that will help you get your skills up, and then of course you've got your training in between. I think that that would make it more interesting, especially if these types of quests change and um, get harder or more you know more detailed as you level up. Like they're not going to send you to clear rats out of the basement. Um, when you're, you know, halfway through the guild, but they may send you out that okay, there are these ban- there are these um, people that may be setting up to overthrow the duke of this town. Can go look into that, right? You know, like yeah, I think the stories type- have to be have to be better handled, yeah, in the guilds and uh, the upcoming games. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is, I think like you know, you have companions now. That you since Skyrim, I mean, there's tons of them. I mean, how many companions can you get a hold of? I mean, probably in the region of 30 different ones. You know, between your uh, the ones you can hire, the ones that you're given as house carls, the Got ones em. from each of the different, uh, um, you know, the the guilds that you join. Um, that you know, it'd be nice if like if you're doing the fighters guild quest line, that you know they take you out like that one that I was talking about. Oh my God, you found Mayik again. <laughs> that's why okay, i said i, I got him <laughs> i got him and uh and, and now we're we we spoke to him and i'm very happy so <laughs> brace yourself everybody there he goes um, but you know like if you have to go out with a companion from you know either as when you start off with a higher level companion like they did in skyrim having to go find that shard of wuthrand or as you become higher up to take a lower level companion with you to train them and then to also have, like, it means something in terms of your training. Like, you know, we're going to send you out and you have to use archery in this this aspect of the, the guild quest line for the Fighter's Guild. Or you have to use a shield for bashing or a two-handed sword or axe or something along those lines where it kind of forces you to have to use the skills to complete that quest line so that you rank up those skills. I, I like that aspect of the... Um of the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim, where they would say, yeah, you know, here's the job, but we'll do pay a little extra if you can do the follow, you know, if you do the following, if you, if you kill the bride during the wedding speech, if you, you know, like sneak in without being caught or poison, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the quest lines here in the, in Oblivion for the Dark Brotherhood are even better than the ones in Skyrim. Yeah. Like the, the one where you can, um, you can drop uh, something. You can drop a trophy off the wall on the guy. Yeah, you have to sneak into his house unseen, not kill the servant, and sneak into the attic, and then you know release the trophy to fall on him while he's in the house sitting by the fire. Mm-hmm. You know that one there. I mean, it's like okay, you got to sneak past everybody to get into the house, sneak through the house, and then finally do the job. So realize Make it look like an accident. Yeah. Now um, I got to say the 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 fighters guild. Well, one of the one of the things that I really appreciate about um, about it is is the fact that it can act as as a tutorial for a new character. 
when I when I started making um, my my first spell blade, I knew I wanted a a melee based character that had some pretty powerful destruction magic it can rely on, and I I immediately thought of the um, the fighters guild in order to give me a set of quests that I knew was going to increase in difficulty as I as I got through it, and I would also get experience doing that that quest chain in Oblivion, which I had never done before. Um, now, as as a as a point of reference here, back to what we originally started with. Um, they they were saying that uh, the funny bunny here's response was you know there are merc groups so at the beginning's a little lackluster. Um, halfway through it gets very interesting. Hmm, maybe that's not where I want to be right now. Uh, let's see. The yeah, the I mean halfway post. through it does get interesting, but once yeah. again it breaks from the concept of a guild. I mean the same thing in, happened in Skyrim. You know that you're you're no longer using it for training or for yeah. leading the guild. Right. Uh, it becomes its own quest, independent quest line, separated from the guild. And that's, I think, one of the things that really has to to really be emphasized with the the guilds in the upcoming games. You know that with the thieves guild, you know they had that great storyline with. Uh, Returning the uh, the skeleton key, but they also had the the radiant quest of you know returning to prominence, where you had to do the five jobs in each of the major cities or major holds, and then you know you could become guild master that way. Or, the thing is, I found that that part was particularly frustrating because it was a real grind to get though you know those five jobs done to actually get it in holds that you didn't ha- you hadn't already completed those jobs. And it didn't help that, frankly, most of the jobs in question were just, they were, they were boring. They were, there was no challenge whatsoever to them. Yeah, you know, you, the you idea could, was good, but yes, the, yeah. the, the execution was horrible. That, yes. You know, you had to keep either taking and dropping the job because I need two jobs in Whiterun to finish the quest type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, and they would keep giving you Riften or Raven Rock, And it's like, well, you know, that doesn't help me at all. Uh, and there are mods that will help you, but you shouldn't have to mod the game in the first place. Yeah, not for something that like could, that. They should literally be like, you know, which hole do you want to take a job in as the thing? And then, you know, from there, what kind of job do you want to take? And, like, the, the fishing job was always you had to have a hunter in pickpocketing in order to complete it. It's like, you know, that's ridiculous. You should be able to take a fishing job that, you know, is very low level. So yeah. that you don't have to have that, you know, high level of, you know, because you're supposed to be using it as a training. And I, I've always appreciated the uh, the Fighters Guild as sort of like the it can be a go to area for for Elder Scrolls fans. They know that um, if they want to train in to to use a, a certain class, um, or if they want to train in in the basic components of the game, maybe the game is brand new. Um, they know that they can rely on the Fighters Guild or even the Mages Guild at that point to to sort of say like this is this is how this is how you can do things. Um, yeah, so I've always appreciated, especially that. since there are some mechanics that are very difficult to understand. The guilds really do a good job, I think, in helping get those mechanics done. Especially like with the Mages Guild, they have a lot of tricky mechanics, but the Fighters Guild really helps you with 
okay, go out and learn how to use a sword and shield, or go out and learn how to use a two-handed um, weapon, or how to even, you know, do a quest. Mm-hmm. You know, go talk to this person, go talk to that person, go do the thing, come back. For those, um, for those out there that, that also prefer a more structured type of gameplay, uh, the Fighters Guild definitely offers offers that that structure. You know, a lot of people when they start a, an Elder Scrolls game, they want to you know roam around the world and and have the world come to them through exploration. Well, either either that's not you, or you're or you've gotten tired of doing that. You want you want to go through some you know uh, a storyline and and regimented quests. The Fighters Guild can definitely be a place that you you acquire that. You just know, walking in the door, you talk to the lead NPC that's there, you're going to get involved in some quests. So, so you know, is is the Fighters Guild boring? I I don't think so, but I think you need to you, you need to sort of well, depending on the game, it might be, it may not be, and depending on the quest, of course. Um, but I I think as a general statement, is the Fighters Guild boring? I don't think so. I think what it is is. It's um, it's a, it can be a starting point, and it can be a tool for you. Um, you just have to recognize really why it's in the game and what it's there for. Yeah. I, I think that um, fighters always seem to be the very basic introduction into a fantasy game. Uh, frankly, in almost all fantasy games I've ever seen, it's always seems to be it's always the least complicated character class, least complicated approach to combat. It, it always seems to be the almost I don't mean to denigrate it, but almost sort of entry level, and well, as yeah, a result, it's the most accessible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it as a result, a lot of people sort of assume that oh well, it's not going to be very interesting. Now, at the same time, they do make some assumptions as to this is going to be how, or like, well, we're doing a fighters guild thing. There has to be a thing where you kill rats in a basement. In fact, that seems to kind of be what this uh, this quest that you you're doing now started out as. Yeah, you know? which uh, so, I I actually enjoy this quest. It's it started off with you know a simple you know kill rats in the basement quest, and you talk to the NPC who's you know basements in, infested with rats, and she says, "No, those are my pets." And well, that's a bit of a twist. And now mm-hmm. the the rats are dying, and and you know comes to come to see that. You know, it's mountain lions getting in, and, and how are they getting in? And it, so you talk to a hunter, and then it actually turns into a little bit of an investigation. This, to me, when I first played this, this is my second playthrough on this particular quest. When I play, first played this, I was actually really interested. I, I want, and I, I actually found it kind of challenging. Oh, it's a nice little twist on, on a very old, old staple of fantasy, you know, fantasy gaming. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, well, uh, let's let's uh, let's leave that where it is, and uh, let's cut over to uh, to Mike, the Tamrielic historian, who's going to give us the the history of the Fighters Guild. Yep. So, such as in the highly respected guild of Western Colovia, all of the compet- all those competent with blade or bow are welcome here, regardless of their standing in society. Although those from military bloodlines are often favored. For those that prove themselves in battle, or are ready to fully commit to our cause. Uh, This is from the Arms and Armor of the Fighters Guild. So, you know, the nice thing about the Fighters Guild is that it is not a knightly society. It takes from all levels of society to help uh, bring people together. It's a call for all men and women to band together for prosperity. 
Now, why would we even have this? Uh, well, in the uh, 321st year of the second era, the potentate gave his approval to the Guild Act, officially sanctioning the mages, together with the guilds of tinkers, cobblers, prostitutes, scribes, architects, brewers, vinters, weavers, rat catchers, furriers, cooks, astrologers, healers, tailors, minstrels, baristas, and, of course, the Fighters Guild. So, which of these guilds do you guys think are the one that uh, we should feature next in the next Elder Scrolls? Baristas. You think the Barista Guild? Barista Guild. <laughs> Barristers. Oh, the Barristers? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's fine. You mean, there's, you mean there's no guild in Tamriel of just, you know, waitresses that sell nothing but coffee? Yeah, <laughs> expensive coffee, handpicked by indigenous people in somewhere in Argonia. <laughs> that the the cat people have to eat first and poop out the beans. <laughs> <laughs> Barristers oh. Guild. Barristers. We have to do the prostitutes guild. I'm sure there are mods for that. <laughs> I think that is called Dragon Age. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, so the Guild Act, it was sanctioned to bring these people together to allow them to have it. But why would we even need it? Um, well, it started 40 years earlier in the 283rd era of year of the second era. Uh, the potentate uh, Verisud Shei uh, was faced with a disintegrating empire. The vassal kingdoms throughout Tamriel had reached a uh, new height of rebellion, openly, openly challenging his rule. They refused his taxes and led sorties against the Imperial garrison throughout the land. At the destruction of his fortress in Donstar, he gathered the Imperial Council in what would be called the Council of Bardmut. After the town south of Donstar, which I'm surprised there's not a mod to bring that into case. There, the potentate declared Catholic and universal martial law. The princes of Tamriel would dissolve their armies or face his wrath. The only persons who benefited from war were the criminals who preyed upon the ruins of the lawless land without fear of arrest now that all the local guards and militia were gone. It was a crisis the Akavir had seen coming for coming long before he destroyed the last of his subjects' armies, but for which he had no solution. He could not allow his vassals their own armies again, but the land was deeper into the stew of anarchy than it had been before. His army sought to fight the crisis through fight the rise of crime, but a central authority was no threat against the local underworld. In the dawn of the year 320, Dorinus Vast the Iron presented himself with a host of companions before the potentate. It was he who suggested the order of mercantile warriors for hire, who could be hired by nobility in lieu of a standing army. The employment would be temporary, and a percentage of the fee would go to the potentate's government, thus putting a salve on the two of the potentate's greatest pains. Starting, so thus, to, starting to look thus, a little bit like what we know as the Fighters Guild already. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, he's ruling all of Tamriel, doesn't want uh, people to, you know, challenge his authority, have the ability to challenge his authority, yet he's having issues with, you know, the local crime syndicates. Whoa, whoa, you're, so. you're telling me that removing any form of military or guards who can actually fight crime was a bad thing? She, who saw that? No one could see that coming. No way. Oh, Centralized yeah. authority? Yeah. 
Oh, I actually got a book Please. on the history of the Fighters Guild right here, first edition. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, a way of generating a military force for hire, but had no allegiance to any of the local authorities. And you have to wonder if, like, uh, they shipped people around so that, like, if you were in Skyrim, you know, that a majority of the people in the Fighters Guild would have come from outside of Skyrim. Now, I know that in the game Skyrim, we have the Companions instead of the Fighters Guild. Uh, but you have to figure that the Fighters Guild had to have a presence at one time in the history in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I would I, imagine so. I was just going to say that I like how... Um, I think we mentioned this before back in the Akaviri episode, but in ESO, this, the Fighters Guild is only about 200 years old at the time, um, maybe actually a little less. And you can see that the potentate and his people that set it up were Akaviri. So, but then when you look at the Fighters Guild armor, you can see sort of the, the Asian slash Akaviri influence in how it looks. Yeah. Now, it, that was a nice little callback I thought they did with that. Trying to figure out where my next quest here for the Fighters Guild is is gonna be, and uh, the quest giver doesn't seem to be in the guild at the moment. Does it say that it's supposed to be an anvil, or? Yeah, I know that that's the one thing about the guild quests in Oblivion is they have a tendency of you get so many done and you have to move to another city. Right, right. Which I, I actually like about that, but uh, yeah, let me let me grab the porter here. See, uh, yeah, yeah. See, no, he doesn't have anything. Go ahead, Mike. So, I'm sorry. So the Fighters Guild has strict rules in order to manage its fighters properly. The joining candidate must have a clean criminal record and must have proficiency with arms and armor. Uh, when accepting any contract, certain rules are applied. No contract will be accepted when is uh, offending the laws and customs of the realm. Uh, so the official imperial charter of the Fighters Guild. Number one, the purpose. The fighter, the Guild of Fighters provides employment to free swords and mercenaries and contracts to local citizens. Citizens may contract with the Guild for the removal of creatures or pests, the delivery of goods on dangerous routes, the collection of beasts for the arenas, and other duties defined by the Guild stewards. I see. That's so what think- makes it such a good starting point for a brand new character. Exactly. That... Uh, you know, go and you know clean the lady's basement of her rats. You know, there we go. Removal of creatures and pests. You know, and uh, you know, I think that they should have more of like those kind of things early on. As I said, with a high level, you know, supervisor, and you know, you as a low level character coming in. You know, you know, make sure that this stuff gets delivered along this route from Anvil to Chaden Hall, something of that nature. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Authority, the Guild of Fighters, was established under Section 4 of the Guilds Act, and this charter was first confirmed under Potentate uh, Verisud Shea in 321st year of the Second Era. Number 3, Rules and Procedures. Any member of the Guild of Fighters who strikes or steals from another member shall be expelled from the Guild. Readmittance is upon the discretion of the Guild stewards. Citizens who can contract with the Guild of Fighters and have a dispute may appeal first to the Guild Steward who accepted the contract and second to the authorities of each province. Number four, membership requirements. The Guild selects candidates who are strong and healthy. A candidate must have 
some proficiency with long blades, axes, blunt weapons, and shields. Guildsmen must be able to use and maintain heavy armor. So I think that's really, you know, we were talking earlier. I think that uh, as part of the guild, like they really should emphasize some of the quests on training with the different arms and armament to help you level those up. Yeah, and, and again, you know, uh, this is this is why it makes um, being a, a warrior uh, like a starting point for a warrior because you you have acts you you gain access to these weapons from the outset. Um, and, and a lot of the people, a lot of the NPCs in there give you training. Um, like right now, Azan here, uh, he gives me training in, in the, uh, the blunt weapon proficiency. So if I wanted to do that, I could, I could train very easily right here instead of having to, you know, go through, uh, a bunch of, I guess, busy tasks I'd have to put on myself in order to, to get there. Or yep. if, if for some reason I can't. Uh, level it up through through common fighting. You know, I can go to Azan here, and boom, there you go. There's your next rank. So, and then the last thing, number five, application for membership. Candidates must present themselves to the steward of the guild hall for examination and approval. And I think it'd be kind of funny if, like, um, with some of these, like, if you went to the guild hall, and let's say you're, you know, high level, but you're a mage, and you have no level of, you know, fighting with swords and bows and uh, armor if they said no sorry you can't join type of thing kind they of actually like we were did that earlier. in daggerfall and i think they and, should bring more of that kind of stuff back that like yeah. nope you're, you're not qualified to to join yet come back and see us when you learned how to swing a sword or you know cast a spell or yeah something like that now, now for just a quick break here let's give mike a quick break mark how did how did that how did that happen in Daggerfall. You said they actually did that in Daggerfall. And I, I know what you're calling attention to. I had I had kind of a bad run in with the Julianos guild. Yeah. <laughs> uh or the the ch- the Church of Julianos. Um but I, I want you to sort of spell it out for for folks. Uh what exactly happened there? Well, basically each guild had a list of um of skills that the guild was supposed to be focused on. Uh Mage's guild of course was magic. Um Actually, Mike listed out that um, fighters, uh, that a candidate for the guild must ha- be proficient with long blade, axes, blunt weapons, and shields, and must be able to use and maintain heavy armor. Well, in, in Daggerfall and also in, in Morrowind, what that meant is that you had to have at least two, if not three or four of these skills at a certain level. I think it, I'm not sure offhand, it might have been 20 or 30. And if you didn't have enough of those skills, you just wouldn't get accepted into the guild. They would say that, you know, you don't qualify. Um, You were still, in Daggerfall at least, you were still able to do some quests for the guild, but you weren't able to access any of the benefits. You weren't able to get uh, the higher level, you know, into the higher level stuff. It would help your relation or your reputation with them, but it still meant that, you know, you don't qualify. You're, we can't actually offer you membership. Hmm. And that, again, I found that that was a very interesting thing to do. Now, in Daggerfall, um, in order to to level up, you know, to increase your rank, uh, you had to have a certain reputation with the guild, but then you also had to have um, a certain minimum of two, basically two skills had to be at this level and another two had to be at this level. 
And, of course, it was out of the whatever that guild's skill collection was. And, of course, in Daggerfall, then you had to wait a month between increases in your rank. Hopefully that's a month of guild time, and, or uh, game time, yeah, not a month of yeah, no, real time. Month of game, yeah, it was a month of game time. But <laughs> Three years before, later, you're finally, you know, guild leader. <laughs> yeah. But you see, and that was the thing, though. That meant that you could work at multiple guilds, and if you got to the highest level, you would really put the time and the effort into getting to that level. So that's sort of why I'm, I'm sort of, I'm okay with being allowed, with being able to take on you know, leadership of multiple jobs. Like, I kind of think it would be cool to have, you know, this person is in charge of uh, the Fighters Guild, but during the, you know, during the night he goes and handles, you know, he's also uh, a guild master with the Thieves. You know, I like sort of having the idea of having a character who is an upstanding citizen during the day, but also has this this other side that he keeps keeps hidden. You know? (laughs) It's it's a it's definitely a cool point of oh, RP yeah. for sure. Oh, uh, and also I have to just comment about one thing uh, Mike brought up in the number three in the rules and procedure. I've always liked how one of the rules for the Fighters Guild is no fighting. <laughs> yeah, amongst themselves. <laughs> you you can't hit another member. It's no you know. Welcome to the Fighters Guild. No fighting. <laughs> one um and, and as soon as you get into the Companions Guild, you see that that's something that's that's just automatically broken because they've got that that scripted uh, NPC interaction where they're just duking it out right in front of you. Oh like yeah! The first time I saw that, you know, I jumped in and like struck down one of the people, and like the entire Companions came after me. Oh yeah! <laughs> what, what were you doing? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, I'm thinking there's a fight broken out, and I better like intervene. Knowing who uh, the Huntress was, I took her side and killed the other guy. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Boy, I'm getting yeah. walloped over here. Well, uh, so so thank you, Mark. Now back over to Mike. Please continue with uh, the history of. Well, actually, that is the end of what we had for the history of. Um, I want to thank the Archive, the Imperial uh, Library, uh, for all of what they had. There's not a ton, surprisingly, written about the Fighters Guild. Must be that uh, sword and uh, shield are more important than uh, pen and paper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they relied on bards to tell their stories of, of heroism. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it is that you have to play through the games, and Mark's going to cover a lot of that in the archives here uh, as to how the guild goes about. So, Yeah. Well, basically... Uh when I started looking through this, I sort of had, okay, well, I know that in previous games there are these one or two other things that you could do. And it took me a little bit of time thinking about, and as I started going through my, with my research, I realized, oh, there's actually quite a lot of other different um, uh, different guilds, and each one has its own flavor and its own sort of position in what makes... The, sorry, all of a sudden, all these people, all these beggars rush from the streets to do your job for what? you. <laughs> Was that not awesome? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's, uh, there's a comic for Skyrim that I once saw in which this, the Dragonborn's talking to this, uh, this guy on the street. And all of a sudden, the guy's there, oh, just second. And uh, the dra- a dragon has landed in the streets. And the, the shopkeeper tears off his shirt and goes, come on! <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> exactly. 
So, I mean, like, the Fighter's Guild is, again, it's sort of the basic fighting man uh, archetype that you always have in in fantasy, the, the mercenary, the, you're doing this for, for gold. You're, you're going out and you don't really have a huge, you know, you, you don't have a purpose other than it usually for, except for making some money, improving your skills. But then you have a bunch of other different types of, of guilds that have shown up in, in the other games. Um, Daggerfall had uh, knightly orders that you could join. There were about ten of them. And I found that, you know, like, there you didn't get paid for the jobs that you did. Instead of getting paid, you were given, uh, like, as you leveled, you were given some armor. Uh, It increased your reputation in the area and with the nobility in the area. You could sleep at inns for free uh, first in your little... um, the little area that you had joined the order in and eventually across the bay. And it got to the point where you were so important with this guild that, or this order that they would give you your own house in the region. And the order, you could also go on nightly quests to find artifacts like Oriel's bow. So it gave, and it, it was very different that way than it was with the fighters guild. The fighters guild might have, there's problems where people have been, uh, where, uh, Sorry, you might have problems where okay, this there are some bandits in this area uh, that some that someone wants us to clear out. And while you would have that in the nightly in the night order, um, you would then also have things like again, there's a lich, uh, there's a lich who's actually getting together a, an undead army. So there would be more. There would be a very different feeling for how this would work. Um, the Fighters Guild also had something in. Um, in Daggerfall, in which it was a case of uh, a noblewoman has lost her pet tiger. Go find it. <laughs> and, and, and uh, would, I'm good, but, thanks. <laughs> and you would find you would you'd be given a little bell, and you'd have to go and you'd, you'd find the tiger, and you'd have to hit it once, and then ring the bell. <laughs> a bell. And, yeah, and you hit it once with a rolled up newspaper. Bad kitty. <laughs> and and there would be this. There would always be this body very close by. And if you searched it, there'd be a note, and it was basically someone saying, "Oh, my love, I've been having a wonderful time, and I've gone, uh, you know, and I'm exploring the following place. And oh, look, I've, there's a noble woman going by with their pet tiger, and oh, it looks so beautiful, and it's running towards me. And uh, the noble, you know, the noble woman is is sort of uh, ringing this bell over and over, but it seems to be ignoring. It probably just wants to come to play. <laughs> and then the note just mysteriously <laughs> stops. It's, it's like the Monty Python skit there. At the end, it was ah. Uh. <laughs> oh no! Ah, <laughs> uh, good lord! Well, <laughs> uh, it looks like the the uh, podcast version of of this um, of this episode is gonna is gonna continue. However, the the video version of this of this show is is gonna be is gonna be a little spotty. Um, I just experienced some, some, uh, technical difficulties yet again, uh, with my, okay. with my internet and, uh, I'm trying to get Mike and Mark back on the line. Okay. Uh, I'm back. I am here. Okay. Hey Mark, okay. you still there? Yeah, no, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> what We're do gonna... you know? We're talking about Daggerfall. Well, hold on one second. Crashes. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, hold on one second. <laughs> I now, my, my, my internet went down. Now I'm pretty sure that the, um, 
the stream is down. Just double check for me, Mike. Uh, and- it look, I'm on. Um, it looks to be live. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, I see Horbert, uh, Norbert. Norbert Wells. All right. So, so there it is, such as it is. Now, Mark, please continue. Just a second. I'm just asking the chat room if they can see us. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so yeah, I thought that people just uh, okay, did like, uh, the joke I was making about Monty Python and hung up on me. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, it's it's my it's my internet. I can actually see it, you know, dropping. So um, so there it is. All right. So so Mark, go ahead. Okay. Well, so yeah, basically, it, it gave you these two different feelings. You had the Fighters Guild, in which you're playing as mercenaries, and then you have the uh, Knightly Order, which it, it how you were paid, what what it meant in the terms of the game was actually very different and the, it's not it's not the only game uh to, series to do that when you then got into morrowind instead of the knightly orders you had the uh you had the legion that you could join and you know other games have then had um a bit more um glory hunter type guilds i'd, I'd consider them for example, in Skyrim, you had the Companions. In Blood Moon, you could join Thirsk. In ESO, you have the Undaunted. 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 <laughs> we are undaunted. Um, and it's sort of, you have all these different feelings to how these different fighting, you know, fighting groups come together. Like, the Companions are, you know, as, as we've said, you enter the Companions and they're fighting, they're drinking, they're brawling. Whereas the the Fighters Guild is a much more organized mercenary guild where you're not getting together to drink. You're getting together to sort of support one another and to uh, get jobs. <laughs> or the Undaunted, just drinking, drinking, more drinking. Drinking, Go do drinking, something, drinking. leave us alone so I can drink some more. <laughs> Go kill something. And, and singing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful melodious tones. All right, on key. Every, everyone is on key. Well, it has to be that way because you have Khajiit with their thick accent, the Argonians that don't have any emotion at all in their voice, and the drunk Nords all trying to sing together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait till uh, I start streaming Redguard. You can actually hear what could the Khajiit language ta- uh, sounds like. Because in in that game, uh, Khajiit are like Wookiees. They can't actually speak English. You need to have subtitles on. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. What was that? What was that? Uh, Maik? <laughs> <laughs> Mike the roarer. <laughs> no, you just have them meowing like a cat. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this is one of those interesting things about the game is that they sort of have been able to see that um, every fighter's, you know, anyone who's playing a melee type fighting character, they're not going for the same uh, gaming experience. You know, if I want to play a knight. And I don't necessarily want to just play this mercenary who goes and kills rats. I want to feel like a knight and get be involved in more of the politics or sort of more grander quests. Um, if I'm playing a bit more barbarian type character, I want someone who's going to the feast hall and just sort of you've got that companionship where, you know, everyone gets together and drinks and boasts about what they have done, you know, about, about their accomplishments if I'm more of a, a stately type person, I want to join, or someone who's a bit more law and order, 
and I'm not doing this for personal gain, I'm going to want to join something like the Legion, where, you know, I, I'm about keeping the land together. I'm about keeping it stable. Um, you know, and again, then you get into the Stormcloaks in Skyrim, where if you want to be sort of a bit of a moron, you can play as a Stormcloak. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see I how you like snuck that in there. Cloaks. Now we could tell. You don't like the elves. Yeah. You don't like the storm cloaks. Man, man, oh man. What can I say? I'm, I'm a staunch imperial. Well, let me let me throw this out there um, as a point on on the stream. Um, if this does make it up on on YouTube, uh, we it may not depend because of the uh, issues that we're having. Drop. Yeah. Um, I just completed the two quests from the Anvil Fighters Guild, and now I'm told to to go to Chaden Hall uh, for for further advancement. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fast travel over over there. So you can see now earlier, um, I think it was Mark had called out that you know when in in this game in Oblivion, uh, when you you get to a certain point in in some of these in some of the different chapters of the guilds in town. You got to move on to another town in order to get advancement. So, so you can see it happening uh, right here on on the stream and on on the video. Uh, that, you know, this is in fact the way it works. Mm -hmm. Off to Chainhall, one of my favorite cities in the Oblivion game. You know, what's funny is uh, you've got as soon as you walk through the main gate here in Chainhall, you've got um, two two ends, Newlands Lodge, right, and then and then Chainhall Bridge Inn. One has higher prices, the one on the left, the Newlands Lodge, than the other on the right. And you can tell that when you go into in one versus the other, that one is like for upscale uh, upper class people, and the other one is for middle class, low class people. <laughs> it, it's kind of further down by the river, that's where the Argonians can sleep. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, go ahead, Mark. Um, yeah, but basically, you know, they, they do a good job. I found they've always done a good job of, of keeping that feel. But at the same time, they haven't actually, uh, if they introduce one of these side orders, something that isn't the Fighters Guild, they keep it to fit within the actual context of the game. Like when you have Thirsk in, um, in Blood Moon, well, that's there because it, you know, it fits the, the whole, um, you know, the almost, uh, Norse concept of uh, all these people joining in the feast hall and, and boasting about their their accomplishments. You know, th it carries over into the companions. But something like that wouldn't fit in um, in something like Oblivion, where Cyrodiil's much more uh, much more cultured. That type of thing just wouldn't be. It would be looked down upon. It's it, it's not something that the people of of Cyrodiil would fit into very well. Um, Whereas in Morrowind, you know, in Morrowind you can join the Legion, but you join the uh, there the Legion is acting sort of as as a military force um, to help ensure the stability of the area. But then you can't join it in um, Oblivion. But that makes sense because in Oblivion, if you would join the Legion, the crisis would mean that you would not have the ability to go around like and uh, on your own leeway, on your own decisions, like you'd have to in this game. Right. You know, um, same thing with the Knightly Orders. I mean, the way the game worked in Daggerfall, you had such a vast area and so many different um, sort of states that you could visit that having multiple Knightly Orders made sense. 
But in these sort of much more condensed maps that you've gotten since Morrowind on, you couldn't really justify having more than one order. And, um, because frankly, they would be, they would be a single town and maybe a village or two. And that would be the entire, it wouldn't feel like you're protecting a large area. You know, you are, you're the protector of this, of this state. Right. Uh, and frankly, the, the games other than Daggerfall, having nightly orders didn't seem to really fit as much. Yeah, I mean, if for more when you'd figure there'd be the house orders to be able to join, you know, the different uh, um, major houses of Morrowind. And since each of them specializes in something different, you wouldn't, you'd really only have one, as a fighter, you'd really only have one house to join. Yeah. Oh, if I recall correctly, the um, I think that the in Morrowind, the Imperial Cult, you could sort of specialize as a protector of the faith as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, you've had such a wide variety of different ways to to approach and say, I'm a fighter, but I'm more I'm not just the mercenary type. I'm the knightly type or the, you know, the boasting barbarian type. And I've I've always found that this is it's an interesting way the series adds these other guilds in, but they always are done to fit the tone of the province that you're you're playing in. Yeah, I think that's that's number one with with um, with Bethesda and how they choose to build the next Elder Scrolls game. You know, they always say they start from scratch. It really is true because they they always they always look at the lore. And they look at the time that they want to put the game. They find the setting of the game. And then they, they build these kinds of things. You know, quest chains and and um, factions surround the environment, the setting uh, as a whole. But in- included in that is the environment you're in, the timeline, and the lore, and how the lore fits with the time and all that. And all of that actually melds together. So... You know, in the future, in Elder Scrolls Six, if for some reason there is no more Fighters Guild, you're not going to see the Fighters Guild in Elder Scrolls Six, and you may not see it in Elder Scrolls Seven, because yeah, there's and no. I mean, more. we've already seen that with the the Mages Guild in Skyrim. I mean, we know that the yeah. Mages Guild is dissolved after uh, Oblivion, and it is broken down into two competing magic-using factions. And the College of Winterhold really is its own little magic pocket, per se, you know, in the in Tamriel. Uh, but we do get to meet, I can't remember what order he's from, uh, during one of the missions that he's come up and he's, you know, searching for um, magical artifacts to bring back to Cyrodiil. And he tells you what order he's, he's working with. Is it the Synod? I think so. I can't so. recall, yeah. Um, yeah, so there is like, you know, we've already seen that the, the guilds have dissolved by Skyrim's time. Yeah. I mean, well, the Fighters Guild, they I don't think that they say that it's dissolved. It's just that it's not really in Skyrim and it's never really had that much of a of a presence in Skyrim to begin with. And I guess with the with the very nationalistic feelings that are going around, I can see how. Um, if it already had a very low membership, it could just die out very quickly. Yeah, you know, uh, and it's it's actually and it's interesting that they then decided. Well, it doesn't really fit into what we're trying to do to make to give the setting a feeling. So they decide to just drop it completely. The only other game that they don't have the Fighters Guild in is Arena, 
Now, at the same time, that's probably because Arena didn't didn't include anything that we classify <laughs> as being. Uh, it's more of know, a spiritual predecessor at this point. Ba- basically, yeah, I, I think we can we can establish that anything that really makes it a game is, or make it makes an Elder Scroll game seems to have uh, originated in Daggerfall. By this yeah, point. I think if there's one thing that I think any of our listeners have really taken away from from. Um, the uh, classic Elder Scrolls podcasts. Now that you know you and uh, Mike have joined, I think it's that that Daggerfall is the second game in the series, but really is number number one in all of the it's things. It's really that the first game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the chat yeah. room's talking about what you know what we would see depending on where we are. You know, if we were to do as I've been lobbying now for the Dominion uh, as Elder Scrolls Six, we could possibly see the Sigic Order as Returning to Tamriel Ooh. as your college, uh, your you know mages type of thing, and Osgan said that yes, it's the the synod and the College of Whispers are the remaining uh, fragments of the uh, mage the, the mages guild. Uh, you know, and then uh, Mirez says, uh, I think they will tackle either Black Marsh or High Rock, uh, but really, it's you know what kind you know how do you propose the guilds would be for each of them? Really depends on where you are. I mean, we've seen. You know, the lack of Fighters Guild in Skyrim as the companions instead, a regional, you know, you know, Fighters Guild-ish type of organization that, you know, has survived through the millennia. Um, you know, if we were to go south to, you know, elsewhere or, you know, into the Bosmers uh, of Valenwood, you know, what kind of, you know, we wouldn't really see an Imperial type of Fighters Guild, especially, you know, if we've gone forward in time. Yeah, I mean, we might see a more a ranger type type group working together uh, in if we were in Valenwood, I yeah. mean, because you know having more nature oriented stuff would make far more more sense than sort of your average fighters guild. Yeah, protectors like of the, the green pack or something like that. Yeah, I like the idea that you mentioned of having the Sigic Order come back if we're doing the Aldmeri Dominion, especially because. That's a group that doesn't bow to the, um, you know, it, it doesn't bow t- uh, to the Thalmor. And we've seen in Skyrim, the Thalmor are actually very concerned about these people. Yeah. It could be a nice uh, jumping board for us for, uh, you know, battling the oppression of the Thalmor as mm-hmm. uh, part of the mage's storyline. Or then if you'd say want to join the Thalmor... Uh, finding some way to either get control of the order or just drive it away or destroy it. Yeah. Good thoughts, for sure. Um, okay, so so Mark, uh, let's um, let's let's see if we can uh, finish this up and uh, and because we've got some emails and, and tweets as well, plus our fast question. Oh well, actually, that's that's pretty much what I uh, wanted to mention with it. Um, just they do a good job of sort of giving you those options and making those options feel very particular to the setting that they are currently placing the game in. Like okay. again, you wouldn't the knightly orders would not really fit within uh, Morrowind, but they fit perfectly in in uh, the Iliac in the Iliac Bay around High Rock because that's sort of how their politics work over there. You know yeah. so. Again, just you know, you've you've had all these different options to sort of expand beyond. I'm just a fighter. 
but having that basic I'm a fighter has always been, you know, it has always been an option. Well, until Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. When when you could just Skyrim is you the could new be a companion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, time for our fast question of the week, guys. Ready? Yeah. Yep. Here we go. What is your favorite type of weapon in the series, Mike? Oof. Uh, it's either going to be the bow or the dagger. Mark, uh, I'm going to go with either crossbow or rapier. Um, I'll have to add in a uh, long sword with a with a shield. So so Mike, why bow and or rapier? Dagger. Uh, so Dagger. for me, you know, I always play a sneakier type of character. And when you go to Skyrim, I mean, obviously the bow is superiorly overpowered, you know, versus everything else. Uh, and then with the dagger, I think the kill cams that they've added are amazing with you know, sneaking up behind somebody with the, the dagger kill cams. Um, you know, some of the, 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 the models used also are really, really cool, I think. So for me as a sneaky character, those two, definitely. Yeah. All right. What about, uh, what about you, Mark? Well, with the crossbow, it's sort of um, – I really enjoyed the – the whole quest line to get it completely upgraded and all set out with um, when you were part of the Dawn Guard, mm-hmm. like getting the Dwemer crossbow and getting that all like the improved one. It just it was just such an awesome weapon, completely overpowered again, but it was just a really awesome weapon to go hunting with. Um, as for the rapier, I, I, I like that the um, at least in the bit of the earlier games in Daggerfall and Morrowind, it gave you that feel of. Um, having a much larger selection of, of uh, fighting styles out there. If you wanted to play the... If you wanted to play as a very lightly armored swashbuckling type character, you could. Like, they have they had dodge as a skill. And unfortunately, that sort of has dropped out as the series has gone on. But it was an option there that it, it made the world feel, like, broader. You know, it, uh, you knew that having heavily armored knights isn't your default if you want to be a fighter. Right. You you and could I, it does espouse, you know, other other play styles and you don't have to be relegated to the thieves guild every single time you want to, you know, wear wear leather with a bow or wear leather with daggers. Yeah. So I just I guess I really like the whole swashbuckling aesthetic that it brought to the series. Okay. Um, my my favorite weapon type is uh, is the the sword and shield because when growing up I've always I always wanted to be a knight when I was a kid I always thought that that was cool and in video games I always sought to use a sword and a shield because that's that's what I saw um, knights doing in cartoons and documentaries and TV shows they were always using a sword and a shield so that, that kind of became my my default. Um, weapon of, of choice in, in video games so I can sort of, you know, play on that, that fantasy of, of being a, a knight in shining armor. Um, however, I will have to say that I've gotten really, really um, interested in using uh, two-handed weapons as well in, in games. So uh, that's that's been a, a second favorite of mine. I would really like to see if if they do go you know to the south in the next game, if we end up in uh, elsewhere to have like a shield and uh, 
spear or lance combo type of thing. Um, kind of like um, the Greek uh, Felix, where you... Oh, that you would know, be awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that, that, would, that would be, be really cool. cool to play. Especially if they bring, like, classes back and they add a couple of new ones. Um, like a... Like something like that, like a like a like the Greek phalanx type of of um, of warrior. There was a there was a certain pikeman. That's what they were called, uh, like a pikeman type of a hoplite. Hoplite, yeah, even better. Yeah, they were called hoplites and and then pikemen later on in in history. Um, yeah, there's some of them that you know, depending on how they used the different long arms, uh, really you know changed how like you know the class would really be played. I mean, with the 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 spear and the uh, the shield, you know, it's going to be more of a defensive class versus some of the uh, the pikemen are going to be heavy armor, and you're going to need swinging radius uh, or stabbing radius, depending on the type of pike that it has. Mm. Spear and magic helmet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, our our uh, listeners have have weighed in this the uh, since our last episode. And uh, that is that is reflected here in uh, emails and tweets. So, so um, Mike, would you mind? Yep. So, uh, tweets, the tweets of the week uh, from Elder Scrolls OTR, our account. Uh, Happy New Year to our fellow Tamrielic travelers. And we got replies from Jordan Maldonado. Yeah, uh, something like Maldonado. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, feel like I've been using the wait function too much this year was fast uh mrs nicola clarkston uh when can we expecting a new game actually getting bored of skyrim now sorry to hear that but they haven't announced anything so you know hopefully you know some of our gameplay here will inspire you to take on oblivion or morwen uh from silver switch to oblivion or morwen for a while you'll be fine uh also thanks to ath at BethBlog for the retweet and to all of you that got 100 RTs retweets. and retweets and 266 favorites. favorites. Yeah. So. Yeah. They uh, they they sent out a uh, they retweeted the uh, Happy New Year to our fellow Tamrielic Tam travelers, um, and uh, it became uh, quite uh, quite the popular tweet for us uh, this week. So so big thanks to uh, to them for for doing yeah. that. Uh, then we asked, uh, Classic Elder Scrolls records tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What game did the fighter guild, did the fighters guild the best? Uh, Skyrim counts for the purpose of debates. And, uh, so we got some responses on that. There was quite, there was actually uh, a little, could, a little bit of a debate on that too. I think someone had said, uh, no, Skyrim doesn't count. <laughs> Which I, I was saying, Skyrim counts. Just for the purpose of this debate, it counts, and, and someone didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. So, yeah, if you're not following us at Elder Scrolls OTR, please do. Uh, we put out these kind of questions. We put out some pictures sometimes asking you for your ideas on it. Uh, so, you know, if you want to hear stuff or hear your name uh, talked about on uh, our next uh, episode of Classic, please do, you know, tweet at us. And uh, send them, send us some tweets. Respond to some of our questionable, our question tweets. Our and, questionable, yeah, not tweets. our questionable tweets. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Age OTR that has the questionable ones. And you know, I fuel those with Liz sending her, you know, pictures that she reposts. <laughs> Ride the bull! Oh, come on! 
Anders uh, I have to a ribbon. <laughs> I have to um no pants happy dance in the chat has said board of Skyrim means you need to install more mods. Mm. Yes. Yeah, ain't that the truth? I spent a lot of time this doing that this time too, and I think I'm up another twenty mods. <laughs> <laughs> Although I need a conflict resolution mod because uh I, I I can't get back into Breeze Home now. So we had, locked um, me out. We had this one tweet from uh from Carrie Halazan. Uh, who says, I love the story of the Companions as a uniquely Skyrim tale, brought in specific lore of Isgrimoire and White Run, White Run history. I thought that was uh, a very interesting tweet that we got as well this week. Um, all right, Mike, we've got two emails. Would you mind taking the first one from Jay Naylor? Okay, so hey, guys, I have a question I hope you'll answer. Smiley face. In the past three uh, Elder Scrolls games, the town slash cities have all been quite small, almost village size. I know that in Daggerfall, the cities were much larger, almost too large. In The Elder Scrolls VI, do you expect that the cities will actually be city-sized, or do you think they will remain small? Which would you prefer, and why? Thanks, keep up the fantastic show, Jay Naylor. I think they're going to be larger, simply because that um, Skyrim was built on the on the same technological platform that was meant for Oblivion. Now look at the two games, okay? You've got Oblivion, and then you've got Skyrim. Skyrim is absolutely gorgeous, and not like Oblivion wasn't, or still is, but they obviously have uh, you know, uh, come very, very far in such a short time within that same console generation uh, in graphics. I think um, a lot of the, I think a lot of the the scale of the game had to be muted, simply because they are working with the expectation of Oblivion type technology, with, you know, five years later, eight years later, um, graphical expectation of technology. I mean, and I mean, you see a lot less load screens uh, in the in uh, Skyrim than you do in Oblivion. I mean, you'll see a little pop-up that says loading area every so often as you're just walking through the world in Oblivion. On the other hand, if you're playing on PlayStation 3, you know, the load screens, you might as well go make a sandwich, you know, and come back. <laughs> so so I, I think I think what's going to happen is uh, when Elder Scrolls Six comes out, I think they're going to go for... Um, they're going to go for what makes sense, but the, I think they're going to try for bigger... Because they know the expectation of technology is going to be far more advanced than than in Skyrim and Oblivion, which it was basically the same. We they expected yeah. to be using the same tech. There's a story I just want to get out real quick about about the the throne in White Run. Um, they had intended the throne of White Run to be this this um, this uh, giant throne coming out of the bedrock that the palace of White Run sits on. But because of all the the polys that need to be rendered in order to create that and and the taxing it would have placed on a system, they went with just the regular chair. Yeah. And and little little things like that sort of indicated to me that, you know, they were they had quite a, a, a hurdle to overcome in regards to how do we make this game look a lot better with, you know, technology that that might have been considered yesteryear's technology because of the leaps and bounds and the worst part is is that um 
Yeah, it's always going to be the least common denominator that they're going to be able to to program for. Sure. So, like right now, I'm running you know a beast of a laptop right now that you would you cannot even compare Xbox One or PlayStation Four to. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so they're not going to program for something that is going to you know tax my system. They're going to program for something that's going to tax a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One. And sorry to say, but you know. You're still going to have load screens when it comes to the next games, because of that reason. That you know, yeah. you you might not get everything we want to see for that same reason. That you know, whatever they they're going to have to program if they want to put it out and make the money for the Xbox One or the PlayStation Four. Um, yeah, and that, yeah. that's that's sad to say. You know that you know, the technology I, I, being a year old is still. You know, years behind what the PC could be compared to when PlayStation Three came out, where it you know pretty much rocked the market. Mark, what say you yeah. on this? Uh, I would say that I can see them being a bit larger than the ones in Skyrim, but I don't see them getting too much larger. I mean, I'd like to sort of see them going back to at least the size that they were in Oblivion, yeah. which were larger than Skyrim. But it's sort of. You know, the larger they make it, the more they have to place in, you know, the more people that they need to make and the, the more details they need to put in, the more, uh, you know, bits and junk that they have to place by hand. And I guess it sort of comes down to we can have it quick, we can have it – or we can have it fast, we can have it, you know, good, or we can have it cheap, you know. And it's sort of, you know, with when it comes to just sort of getting their budget together and getting – how much time do they want to spend? They can either have uh, a, a town with a hundred houses and each one is immaculately laid out, or they can focus elsewhere. I mean, if we if we go to a place like say, um, like say Valenwood, actually, <laughs> I can see them having one huge, like absolutely massive city, which is the core city, and maybe a few small, very small towns. Because Valenwood isn't that isn't hugely populated with towns in the way that say Oblivion or, or Cyrodiil or um, even even Skyrim would be, yeah. but I can't see them sort of have, trying to make multiple cities that are are large that in the way that um, not nearly that Daggerfall was large, but even the way that Oblivion was large. It just I don't see them giving that much of their budget and their time frame to trying to expand things unless they have a really good reason to make it bigger. Yeah, now, the other thing they can do is they can play with the load screen option type of thing where, like, they say, oh, if you've been to the cloud district, you know, and really you have to go up those steps to get there, you know, they could easily make it where, you know, there's a load screen there to expand out each of the, the different sections of a city to make it mm -hmm. larger. Uh, I would, but once again, it has to fit the story. I mean, if you, you know, if there's nothing to do in that section of the city, it's kind of like when you go to the Imperial City. What do you do? If, you, if you're not going to play the arena sec quest line, you're not going to go to the arena. You know, yeah. It's that kind of thing. You, you don't want dead areas where there's nothing for you to do. Yeah. I would actually like to see them um, focus more, a bit more actually on getting rid of the load, load screens, uh, at least for getting when you're in the over, overland map and you're trying to get between cities and reintroduce flight back into the game. 
you know, I'd like to be Flight. able to have that little th- little part added back in because uh, I have so many great memories of playing Daggerfall. And it's like, oh crap, I just arrived in town, but it, it's it's after dark. They've locked the walls, so either climbing the walls or flying over it or something, and then hopping back into the town and going from rooftop to rooftop. Yeah, I'd like a, th- a more three, the third dimension emphasized. Yeah, but they can't do that because at the moment with the towns because. And actually, they've said this is the reason they removed it was because the towns were now um, enclosed in their own separate separate places like a dungeon was. So because they had done that to make the towns much more detailed, much more alive, they couldn't have it as something you could fly into. Yeah. Uh, I I could definitely understand that. Yeah. I'd like to see them maybe get, you know, reintroduce that. that. I think that would be cool. All right, um, Mark, we've got one more email here by Wadwell. Would you mind, please? Okay, no problem. Uh, hey, ESOTR crew. I've been listening to a lot of uh, classic Elder Scrolls stuff re- late- recently. Great job, by the way, Mike and Avarwin. And I have really gotten invested in the lore of the series. I've recently been asked to do a seminar at my school on the lore of the Elder Scrolls series to um, do a whole lot of lore noobs. Where should I start? What should I talk about? What topics do you feel necessary for me to cover in order to teach them a basic level of lore knowledge? Talk will be about 30 to 40 minutes long. I have no idea where to even begin with a world as vast as this. I suppose this is a question aimed mostly at Mike, but the other hosts can feel free to chime in at any time. Thanks, guys, and keep up the awesome work. Wadwo. Wow. So, I wonder what kind of... uh like um, school, like seminar it's on. Is it like a club seminar or like for a class? That's kind of cool. Um, so where would I start? I would probably start with um, first, you know, organization of the timeline uh, to go through, you know, from first year, the Merthic area, first year, all the way up to, you know, uh, the, the end of Skyrim, uh, talking about the important points that has happened at each and how each of the games fits into that timeline um, is really what I would, you know, because you're trying to cover the entire thing when we do a two-hour show on just a single topic. So if you've got 30 to 40 minutes, that's what I would say is start in the Morethic era, introduce the elves, uh, you know, then bring in, you know, what's the next major phase, uh, you know, would be, you know, the coming of man from Altmora. Uh, the, uh, from there, talk about... Uh, the different events as they're seen through the games, uh, bringing you right up to the end of Skyrim. Um, I would reference the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages and the Imperial Library for your uh, for your for your search in um, in lore as well. Um, your source material, yeah. yeah, yeah, completely agree. Absolutely, that's that's where you want to start. You don't want to don't go looking in game. For, for lore references, you're just gonna you're gonna waste a lot of time running running around and playing the game. Uh, if you want to if you want to get source material quick and fast, um, unofficial Elder Scrolls pages and the Imperial Library. Uh, what about you, Mark? Well, I would actually suggest you also check out Shoddycast for um, you know in their lore series for the Elder Scrolls for just sort of getting as to uh, how to you know what would be the best ones to start with. I would actually start with the way most people sort of start with the series, which is with the with the races, uh, with with the races, with the provinces, and with with the empire. And once you have 
those down, then you can sort of expand into um, a bit of, a, a bit about the cosmology, a bit about the his, you know the, the theoretical history. Bring in some about the um, the missing races, and then go into the basic timeline of the games. I, I wouldn't get too bogged down in sort of the the metaphysical stuff about uh, the series, like um, the you know the all the different theories on how the world was created, or or too much time in the in the periods that we aren't actually playing the games in. Yeah, you know, just just because it is being introduced to people who may have played the games but ha- don't really know that amount of the, that much about the lore. Yeah, unless just, it's a theology course. Yeah, unless it's a theology course, in which case, focus on the theology. But if it's just sort of introducing you to the world and that, I would focus mostly on the on the practical stuff that the care that you're going to really be introduced to a lot and sort of touch on things like this is how religion works. The you know, of course, touch on this is the Aedra and the Daedra. But I don't think you'd need to spend a huge amount of time going into these are the creation myths. You know, yeah, or, I, I, yeah, it really wouldn't be nice to know what like. Um like how this seminar is, it, what it's it's supposed to be, like who the, who the target audience is. Like if yeah. this was a an English class, and you know you're talking about the development of myth, you know, then you know how do you you, you know do you tie it in with things like uh, from our own culture, things uh, you know like the Tolkien lore, the Dungeons and Dragons, how yeah. Elder Scrolls was based off of the foundations of others. Uh, if this is for like a, a gaming class. You know, how do you build a computer game with lore uh, involved in it type of thing? So it, it really depends on who your target audience is. Uh, if this is a, a, um, a bunch of gaming friends in a, 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 um, a club, that's going to be much different. You know, if you're trying to produce a, a, an Elder Scrolls club and you want to, you know, get people up to par as to, uh, you know, what is the Elder Scrolls, not just, you know, push yeah. W... ASD, you know, to move around and, you know, your two mouse buttons to click to swing in your, your sword. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, if there's, if there's nothing else, guys, um, our, our final thoughts as we, as we close out this, this excellent episode of, uh, classic Elder Scrolls, um, starting with Mike. So yellow M&M. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I want to thank all of our chat room for, you know, surviving through this uh, technical nightmare that has been today uh, with the five drop streams, multiple restarts, the Picasso type of uh, uh, face that we've gotten a couple of times here. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, we Comcast or whatever of our wins working with at his end and uh, the windstorm that I'm working on at my end. And the plague that has uh, gotten us for Christmas. Hopefully that all resolves itself for next uh, classic. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, everybody's had fun today, learned a little something, uh, inspired them to go into Oblivion and play around uh, with the Fighters Guild. I I, I agree. Um, Mark? Yeah, um, hopefully, yeah, we've gotten all the bugs for the entire year out in this one episode. Um, <laughs> at the same time, gotten to experience one of the <laughs> one of the fundamental parts of experiencing the Elder Scrolls, which is the constant crashing and other other problems that it comes along with uh, with the series. Um, and yeah, no, I I really this was a really fun episode. I it was really fun to sort of get into the different the different ways that the series has sort of 
touched on using the fighter archetype in fantasy and really given you options to be something other than your basic fighter. Um, also, I have a bit of a shout out to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I only found about, out about this recently and it happened over, over Christmas. Um, this is specifically for Kazared. Uh, 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 he's the creator of a web comic called Prequel. And its prequel is uh, a comic that follows the adventures of Katia uh, Manigan, a Khajiit newly arrived in Cyrodiil, uh, trying to make a new life for herself in what is the build-up to the Oblivion Crisis. I don't know if either of you have, have seen this comic. I don't Mm-mm. think I have. I'm going to have to check this yeah. out. Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's a really it's – not, it's not always safe for work, but it's, it's, a really <laughs> well, it's a really well done comic. I mean – uh, there are animated panels. He does videos and even little little games in order to move the plot along. And it really is sort of this person is clearly supposed to be the champion of Cyrodiil. And what it's like to be a zero-level character with no class who everything you do fails. Because when, when you look at the game series, it really is um, – you can see it as a story of – what constantly trying things and failing and getting better because of it. I mean, like that's what the skill system in this game works like. And because of that, that's sort of where this character starts at. She's good at nothing. Okay. And sort of where, what brings her from, you know, basically having a, a really terrible life so bad. She's decided to move to Cyrodiil where no one knows, knows who she is. And she takes on an entirely new identity to try to, you know, restart. And from, what from zero to take? hero. Yeah. What is it? The, pardon? From Sorry, zero to hero. Yeah. Literally, literally like what is it that takes her from, um, having a life so terrible? She just wants to start again to and the struggle it takes to get to that point where you were in the imperial prison and now you have to become a hero right so it's a it's a really well done comic it's it's funny um it's very interactive with the fan base and you you have to sort of look at it to see what i mean um and i'll i'll post the link to it on twitter but the reason i wanted to bring this up was yeah, because you can get that in the chat room too i'm sure they're they're yeah. you know trying to get uh, their uh, their mitts on it as well yeah Early in um, December, Kazred, uh, apparently he cut himself so badly opening a can that he had to go to emergency room for stitches. Ouch. And he also ended up with the flu. Oh. says he waited about five or three hours in the emergency room. And this ins- inspired him to run a small seven-day fundraiser that he called Operation Desuckify Christmas. <laughs> and he was looking to raise $500 to... Uh, purchase Lego sets to be given to children who found themselves in the emergency room on Christmas Day. And he said he was going to match every $5 raised with $1. So when all was said and done, out of this $500 goal, he had raised $4,330 for after he matched a grand total of $5,196. Oh, wow. So in order, so because of uh, all the Elder Scrolls fans that enjoy his comic and helped him. He basically had to, it drastically expanded the number of hospitals he was helping and uh, even giving to different groups that, um, like children in the hospitals who were staying, who were sort of staying as inpatients for a while. And oh, wow. Also for like the playrooms and everything else like that. Oh, wow. So that's uh, amazing. 
I'll, I'll post the uh, also the link for the uh, the project or the where sort of the the closed fundraiser, but where he explains a bit more in depth as to what brought him to uh, to doing it, and then as in the updates, as basically this shot way beyond what he thought it was going to be, and how he then spread out the different. Uh, you know, spread out the yeah. different Lego sets and whatnot. Wow! What a, so I, a... I just thought that you know this, this guy totally needs a huge shout out for this. You know, it was, it was a great thing to do for kids, and you know, just and also you know the way sort of he harnessed his fans who were clearly Elder Scrolls fans as well. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful you know, story! To do this. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend uh, checking out Prequel Adventures. Uh, I put it into the chat. It's prequeladventure.com. Great. AKA how to make a cat cry. Now, now <laughs> listen, we guys, we didn't get paid to, to put this ad in here. All right. It's not an ad. All right. Um, and this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, an ad place thing. We didn't get paid for this. And we're not, if you go to that website, we're not going to be getting paid for it. All right. Oh, no. These guys no, aren't sponsors. This, this is like just that. purely, I enjoy his comic greatly. Yeah. And, he has. Let's face it. That was a fantastic thing to do. This is just calling out a good. This is God's work, is what that yeah. is. That's. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. You know, Without when question. when you when you take your your simple human hands, and um, you know you give to charity, and then it just blows up like that. I mean, that's that's yeah, what we I call mean, in, in law enforcement as as police. That's what we call you know doing God's work. So so shout out to that guy and. It's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a real especially story. since it was he was sick and having a crappy time in the emergency room, yeah. and his thoughts turned to, "Geez, kids are going to ha- have a really crappy time like this on Christmas. How can I fix that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So again, big shout out to Casred. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls community is awesome. I must say, you know, you hear about things like this through the Elder Scrolls community quite often, and you know, this is just one example that somebody that did something great for kids. All right. Well, um, big thanks to Mike and Mark both uh, for for turning for turning a subject matter like the Fighters Guild, previously thought to be a boring subject matter, <laughs> and 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 turning it into into something that that's really interesting to know about and and to hear. And hopefully, you guys have an appreciation for the next time you go into the game. Maybe you'll stop and say. The Fighters Guild works for this character, and I'll try it out. Uh, from all of us to you, Happy New Year. Yep. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, feel free to listen to us, please, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, our, our website, questgamingnetwork.com, which will be experiencing many upgrades in 2015. Um, and also on YouTube, youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please give us a, uh, a, uh, a shout-out and a review on on iTunes, uh, five star reviews will be uh, will be named on Elder Scrolls off the record each week. So please uh, give us a review; we'd appreciate it. Uh, you can follow the hosts on Twitter. You can follow Mike at KDR Mickey. That's KDR M I C K E Y. You can follow Mark at Carnigan Wolf. That's C A R N A G A N W O L. F-E. And guys, please follow these two on Twitter. Um, a lot of times, they're saying things about Elder Scrolls. They're tweeting out pictures, and they're they're two wonderful fellows to to follow along on Twitter. Um, 
They're they're a fantastic bunch, and they you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of Elder Scrolls stuff coming from their personal Twitter accounts. Uh, you can follow me at Avarwin. That's E V A R W Y N. And this show, as well as Elder Scrolls Off the Record, at Elder Scrolls O T R. That's Elder Scrolls O T R. Time to say goodbye, gentlemen. We'll start with Mike. Bye, everyone. Have a happy new year, and uh, hopefully 2015 treats you better than 2014 did. <laughs> Even if 2014 was great, hopefully 15 is better. And Mark. Well, uh, as Mike said, happy new year to everyone, and uh, hopefully we got all the kinks worked out on this one. And I'm really excited for uh, for the coming year. Well, uh, happy new year. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Classic Elder Scrolls is a Quest Gaming Network production, and as always, may the foos be with you!